pick a guitar, you can pick your nose, but today we're talking about picking oranges. Hey guys, welcome back to Detroit Dark Talk, and my name's Tom. This is Tim. <laughs> Adam. What, what do you think of that one? Was it good? That was good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a genuine uh, laugh at it. So guys, in the non-studio today, we're uh, we're joined by the brains behind Orange Modworks. Why don't you guys go you ahead guys, and introduce you yourself? Yeah, you go first. You <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Jim with Orange Modworks. And I'm John. You may have seen me from uh, YouTube. <laughs> so guys, it's it's been a minute since we've all been here to record, but uh, we're back. And it's probably better than ever. Uh, but we're, today we're just going to be talking about like Orange Modworks, what's going on with the SR200 and just all their different products that they have coming out. Uh, we have a we have a list of questions that we gathered from our content consultants. If you guys want to become one of our content consultants, it's uh, Tim, Tim. How much is it on Discord? Uh, on I think any, anything above like the more ten dollar like tier. Yeah, for Patreon. Uh, it's ten dollars. Ten dollars, and you can give us questions to ask people we interview and have game night. Control the podcast Refund. for ten dollars. Yeah, uh, give us you. orders. We'll do anything for ten. But no, no, that, was that twenty dollar tier? Twenty dollar tier is where t- Tom signs the can of beans and sends it to him. That's pretty much anything. Yep, yep. If you guys haven't uh, heard, Tom has uh, quite a uh, a bean predilection. He has an FDL that's been hydro dipped in beans and. Oh, I saw oh. that thing. Yeah, that's Tom. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> so we have fun with that. We could do a bean SR two hundred. Oh, Tom would love you forever. <laughs> well, white white is good for hydro dipping. There you go. Can you hydro yeah. dip three? Yeah, I guess you can if you did the. FDL. Oh yeah, FDL hydro dips three D printed stuff all the time. Or well, they used to, I guess. Hmm. But uh, so we've got you guys in the studio. Um, you know, on the back of you know, you guys are are working through your SR two hundred release. Um, so I guess why don't we start out? Tell us a little bit about the SR two hundred and where that came from. I know uh, it kind of caught me off guard because the last we had heard from you, you were working through um, getting back going after um, your uh, staffing issues with uh, COVID that you were talking about when you were on uh, Foamcast Radio, and um, you know trying to get the CyberTech line back up and going. And then the next thing I know, I hear about this SR two hundred blaster from you guys. So tell us a little bit about how the SR 200 came to, uh, to fruition or how, uh, that project started. Yeah, sure. Um, so creating a 3d printed blaster was something that we always wanted to do, uh, because we basically, when we were sort of plotting the future of, um, you know, nerf modding or just modding in general, we, we sort of, uh, we, we looked at it as in various stages, right? So you, you, uh, start with mod kits, then eventually you create shells, then you would end up creating your own blaster, and then what type of blaster that you can make. So we were just looking far, far ahead, and this was back in, I think, 2015, 2016. And, um, and basically the end of the line was uh, AEG Blaster um, because of its, you know, uh, uh, versatility in terms of uh, fire rate, uh, and um, uh, you, you can do a seal breach on it. And um, so we pretty much skipped everything that's in between and jumped straight to it. 
And that's where the CyberTech line came from. So we got everything uh, together and then we started do the planning, do the whole uh, sort of um, uh, the brainstorming. Because every single time we create a product, we um, uh, we we uh, we'll, we'll do you know, we'll develop the backstory and, and, and give it some characters and sort of like the uh, world that this thing would be used in. That sort of give us the design inspiration uh, for the product. So we officially started around t uh, late 2016. That's uh, when we started the CyberTech line, the development. And, um, uh, and in 2019, uh, that's when we came out with the first uh, prototype and was getting everything ready. Um, before going to production and then you know we did the pre-order around that time as well and um uh, but 3d printing was always something that we wanted to do it was sort of those in-between phases that we sort of um um ne neglected and, and and you know jumped over and uh right when uh covid hit we sort of had to stop and kind of because if you've been doing this long long enough uh, especially with injection molding, you you're so used to supply disruption that you can sort of see these things happen uh, you, because your manufacturer will start warning you about it, and then your other suppliers and vendors will start making adjustments. So we actually uh, uh, saw that happening early January because a lot of stuff, raw material-wise, comes from China and Japan, and they were getting hit. Um, and um, so we see all these supply chain disruption. And we had a discussion and sort of, you know, plot out, you know, what's the worst case scenario? What are we going to do about it? And so obviously the worst case scenario was uh, in the injection molding production line, everything shuts down, right? For at least six to nine months. I think that was my initial estimate. Now it's like, you know, one or two years, um, you know, but um, uh, so we were like, well, we gotta have to make something to survive if the you know if the if the worst does comes true, and um, you know and then at that point we were like, what about that three D printing idea that we always had? <laughs> and so you know uh, in late March I believe uh, John that's when we actually started buying our first few couple of machines right? Oh yeah, the process. Yeah, so Prusa. this is. Right, so this is back in March of 2020. That's when we started setting up the the initial print farm, so was to speak. Right when they, right when they, we had to work from home. Yeah, right when yeah, when so... they did the shutdown order. Yeah, and then um uh and then the the design actually started then too. Um, so it, it the idea isn't new. It was something that we always thought that it was interesting to do, but it really was COVID that actually started it because. Uh, injection molding and all the regular your regular production method uh, I wouldn't say come to a complete halt but material and these raw materials are just really hard to acquire and especially um, machine times you're kind of fighting against a uh, big corporation to you know get on that machine so um, yeah so I would say it's the it's the idea that born or that made realize uh, due to COVID gotcha yeah. oh yeah because uh what you're saying machine time is so the manufacturers even if they were operating they were courting um huge contracts from companies fleeing yeah. china at the time well it absolutely makes sense. even now um we're having trouble with metal acquisition oh yeah so the blasters we sent out to you guys uh you notice those rods that are holding it together are like chrome steel um those are cheaper than aluminum right now 
Yeah. And it's really crazy. Um, I had to try and cut these rods recently and they were throwing mad sparks. And I was like, wow, this is, these are high carbon steel chrome plated rods that are being sold for cheaper than aluminum. So the metals market and just raw material markets are just on their heads right now. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I've seen that all over the place. Like we were looking at, um, redoing our deck recently and uh oh. the cost of wood is more than the cost of the um oh, what's what's the fake wood called uh tex pex Not... uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you guys know what i'm talking about you yeah. can you can do a deck in the like immortal plastic stuff for cheaper than you could in actual wood right now which just blows my mind yeah jim tell them about uh when we were trying to get boxes oh yeah paper <laughs> price sell paper gone off four times yeah. And uh, we had actually nicer boxes planned for the SR200, but we kind of had to hit uh, hit a pause button on that because the price is just ridiculous. Like, uh, I I think a price of one box would have equates to two rolls of filament. That's how crazy it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. So about like, I don't know, $20, $30? Yeah. For a box for a of that size. Box, for a single box of that size. was super cheap. Yeah. Yeah, the cost of materials is just so crazy right now yeah yeah and that's why it was such a godsend to find a local filament manufacturer because the uh apparently pla raw plastic is hasn't been affected that much just a little bit and which well really it's the shipping i think yeah Uh, yeah yeah well i would also think it's because isn't pla uh based on isn't it uh corn based yeah and you know corn hasn't taken a hit whatsoever by the pandemic yeah the uh they're actually saying that they manufacture the pellets here and mm. they ship the pellets to China to be dyed and extruded and then they ship them back, back. to the US. Yep. And that's the cheapest way right now. Which huh. is Apparently. pretty wild. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. So we actually got the print farm set up li- little l- under a little under a year roughly, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. No, no. We, this was back this in was all, August, right? Yeah, yeah. it was all yeah. built up a while, like last year. It's just, we've been working out the bugs and struggling, fighting a losing battle with materials, and then finally switching. Yeah. So and um, now it's functioning properly. Even though we've been using 3D printer for like a decade, but like sitting on a print farm is something else. It's, it's, oh, a, man, it's a it's a huge just... learning curve. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't easy at all. <laughs> All of our kit stuff, the, the older kits were all prototyped on old 3D printers, like Solid Doodles and the Rostock. And then we jumped into the Formlabs um, SLA stuff. And just operating four printers is easy. You know, if something breaks, you know, it's just one. You just, you know, mess right. with it. Operating yeah. 32 Prusas in probably less than ideal environmental conditions is, oh man, it's a pain. And then we got two gigantic dehydrators to dehydrate the filament. It'll hold 12, like we can dehydrate 12, five kilogram spools at once. And we just keep cycling through. Wow. Yeah. But we got, I don't know. I just like talking about these because they're super cool, but we have two. And I think we were, we were some of the first people to get them. We have two form labs fuse ones, which are their um, SLS machines. And they are super cool. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm Googling this now. Okay, yeah, check so, it out. Yeah, they print uh, powdered nylon. Wait, what? So they it, they center a very, very fine microplastic nylon dust into a solid. You yeah. don't need support material, none of that. So you have a build volume 
you can stack parts in there one millimeter apart and it'll just print this brick of material of parts and then you bring it over to another uh a separator and just sort of separate them all out and all the dust gets reused it gets uh recycled oh my gosh it's awesome <laughs> adam adam <laughs> nope. <laughs> we we have a need. Yeah, I'll get one. Nope. You just put it in your living room. Yeah, it, was, it looks <laughs> big. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're yeah. like. Uh, I think ship weight for the machines was like three hundred and fifty pounds. I believe it. Oh wow. yeah. We had to lift it up uh, onto a stand, and man, so yeah. heavy. Oh yeah, that's the thing about the building we're in is like a regular office building. We don't have a loading dock or a freight elevator. So we were just sort of, they'll drop the stuff off on the first floor and then it's our, it's oh, our no. problem. <laughs> so oh. whenever we do like all of our shipping boxes, if we get stuff from Taiwan, like freight, you know, it'll be like, yeah. oh, Jimmy will, Jim will call me and be like, hey, there's like 150 freight boxes arriving today. Oh, <laughs> then we'll break them down in the parking lot and haul them up on a little hand dolly. Yeah. Wow. It's fun. It's fun in the winter, at least. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's see, pretty, that's what you wouldn't say up here. Oh, that's true. I don't know. I don't know if I'd trade. Cause uh, I I don't think I don't know if I would either. The winters yeah. suck, but the summers are real pretty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here, the winters are probably I don't know, like probably vice the, versa. Lo- the lows are in like the 60s, but then in the summer, well, it also gets really cold just sporadically. But then in the summer, it's like. You know, eighty percent humidity, ninety to one hundred and ten yeah. degrees, depending. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's real important. I mean, I think it was up uh, ninety two, ninety three here in Michigan today. Oh, okay. So you got yeah, some. This weekend you was get real a taste. Bad. It was like ninety five. I mean, it, it's hot enough that I switched to printing all of my blasters in ABS. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See, that's we were running prints over the weekend, and the and the dehydrators at the same time. And apparently the building shuts off AC over the weekend, so we had a bunch of print failures. Oh no! Where the uh, the little uh, grub gear that feeds the filament, I'm pretty sure that thing got too warm and was just uh, not grabbing it and channel cutting channels into it during feeding. Yeah, they also melted onto that gear. Didn't yeah, it? yeah, melted onto little gear. Yeah. So that's one thing about Prusas. If anyone's listening, if you're thinking about a Prusa, the uh, feed stepper motor gets real warm so keep it in a air conditioned room or now like, the, we're, we're we're looking at sticking heat sinks onto them now these are the prusa minis no no the i3 mark threes okay i've got a prusa mini i still have to assemble see i have a oh, i actually that makes a heck of a lot of sense because i before i switched to abs i used to use uh protopasta great stuff mm. but i have mine in an enclosure and ah. I started having issues yeah. where no matter what I did, the protopasta started stripping on the Bontech gears like you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Because it's in the enclosure. Yeah. And if you uh, get a print going for like like an hour in, then touch the extruder motor with the back of your fingers. Those things get like surprisingly warm. Like yeah. I can't believe they haven't like done something about that. So we're going to – that's something we're struggling with right now even as we speak, getting the SR200s printed. And I'm thinking there is a, an extra pin on the board where you can run a, a fan over the extruder motor, but we're probably going to start with stick-on heat sinks first. And then maybe a, a box fan or something to keep the farm cool, or at least get some airflow without affecting the prints. 
Gotcha. Yeah, they do weird stuff. Um, if you're not using an MMU, I would replace the um, the heat break with a regular E3D heat break. But yeah, but I gotta say though, there's a huge difference between 3D printing a blaster versus injection molding one. Because if you ever want to change something on an injection molding machine or on on a mode, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's not easy. They basically will have to recut it and then um you know if it's uh if you're trying to get more material or patch it up if you're trying to get less material on a certain location of the mode um but with a 3d printer you can just make the design change and it'll just print your revisions so that's definitely i think one of the blessing with 3d yeah with 3d printing yeah bust out 10 changes in a week where uh Injection molding, they'll be like, that'll be a hundred thousand dollars, please. Well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, or several months, <laughs> several, several months. months. Yeah. yeah. What that's... what design revision is the caliber on these days? I mean, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. But that's really interesting to hear about everything you've been going through, and it totally makes sense that you would take that step back to the three D printing world when you're having the um, the material issues and and production issues um, with what. Yeah. you had planned for cybertech so i assume that cybertech still is on the agenda at some point just waiting yes. for materials and and whatnot to start becoming yeah better. so we we did try to restart and what that means is that um uh last year we we looked into a different uh manufacturer that were involved in the cybertech production so this means motor injection molding manufacturers uh, uh, other, you know, other electronic vendors, we have several. And, um, uh, when the lockdown or, you know, COVID ha- happened and the, the, uh, supply disruption happens, a lot of manufacturers will give us different dates and no one is, uh, certain, you know, when everything will be stabilized again. And so we would probably, you know, we would have the metal manufacturer, the metal manufacturer give us a certain date. And then the motor manufacturer give us another date, and then you're trying to think where uh, all the manufacturer can you know finish at the same time, or you're trying to sync all the production uh, together. But then it's it's hard to uh, ever get them you know sort of sync up or uh, have um, all the manufacturer be able to produce all the components that you need. It's always like twenty percent manufacturers are down or 30 percent manufacturers are down so it's sort of like playing that cat and mouse game you try to just find out more and more for from uh, each manufacturer and then there's a lot of labor involved in switching manufacturer as well so there might be one that doesn't have the material that you need it you need to switch over to the second one so you need to do that for every single component uh related to that blaster so that was extremely difficult we found that it was nearly impossible uh, to get sort of all the materials that we wanted so that the, the vendor who makes them, you know, who actually assembled them or, or, or doing the second stage of production can, can get them on hand and do the, you know, to finish the product. It was nearly impossible because there's supply shortage everywhere. And so, um, after dedicating, I think, uh, three, three, four weeks trying to get everything you know we just feel like right now is not the time uh we probably need to give a couple more months before we try this effort again so we are restarting that effort 
and 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 that's why it's it's you know I just want to explain why it's so difficult to try to put something like that uh, complicated together during this time. And I think a lot of people thought you know when I say motor, a lot of people think you know there are a lot of motors uh, that you can buy off shelves and 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 uh, you know things that you can get off Amazon. Yes, it's true, but our motors actually. Uh, custom design to our spec so i'm talking about like copper coils and, and stuff like that not you know like ready-made made motor but we're actually talking about like you know magnets and everything that involves in building a motor and uh, that's how how uh how much detail that needs to go in into the whole production line right and well you yeah. also need to be able to buy them in a bulk sufficient for exactly the production right. run that you're doing so a lot of the stuff even the sr200 a lot of the parts are uh, made to our spec are fabricated in a large quantity to uh, put into perspective um, that structure rods the four rods that you guys see on the SR200 yeah. uh, we made 12,000 pieces not a couple hundred 12,000 that's that gives you an idea of how big our volume is so and how much uh, you know uh, minimum order quantity that we need to commit so we're yeah. not talking about a couple hundred pieces we're talking about thousands tens so of when thousands. you go to the source there before they'll make anything, you have to agree to minimum order quantities. And that's a huge barrier to entry for this sort of endeavor. Um, another huge uh, obstacle right now is that I cannot travel back to Taiwan or go and meet with the manufacturers or anything at this time. And our design team, we're kind of like cut off from them as well. We're just, you know, dealing with that 13-hour time difference. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so it's our industrial design is in a different right? office. What was I'm that? sorry, can you repeat that? Because you you guys have a design team out in like Singapore, correct? No, 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 yeah. uh, Taiwan. Okay. Ta yeah, yeah. We have He's, an office uh... in Singapore, uh, but that's really just our sales channel. That that's okay. our sales office, right? Okay. Yeah, mo we are primarily working in Taiwan, and I would be there. I mean, normally a normal year, I'd be there almost half a year. Yeah, and a lot of times, also consistency. If you buy a lot of off-shelf components, a lot of times, uh, every batch is different. For example, O-rings are one of those things. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and they're they're quite important because uh, any sort of um, offset in the consistency or the, the dimensions, uh, it can affect your seal and affect your uh, affect your performance. Yeah, so that's why we have to get them in in bulk, and usually they're made to our standard. Yep, but if you want. Uh... A big sack of five thousand long shot O rings, you know, we can hook you up. <laughs> yeah. That was a, a very funny time the first time we bought O rings. We literally like pulled up to the O ring store, which exists, and uh we asked for the spec and they handed it to me in like a big just sack. It was like a drug deal. They just like slammed it on the table. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. Like, oh, they're like, Yeah, there's five thousand in there. I was like, Okay, cool. I guess. <laughs> we'll and for it. We're not going to count them. <laughs> and then we're on a scooter, like one of those like moped things. So like it, there's nowhere to hold it. I'm sitting behind our industrial designer and sitting behind Kevin. So I have this like sack of O-rings slung over my shoulder and we're like going through traffic. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the origin story of the long shot O-ring. <laughs> that's hilarious. But so, I mean, obviously, you guys are doing a lot of designing and um, uh, fabricating and all and all that. But obviously, you had to get into this hobby at some point. How how into the hobby are you these days? Oh, these days, uh, you know, like after work, I'm not really working on blasters at all. So 
you can almost say that our work is is the hobby. Yeah, it's kind of weird because like when we're when I'm not well for me personally, if I'm not like fixing printers or you know cutting stuff to like go in the SR200, we're basically just working on blasters and opening stuff up and modding them and yeah, so we do the hobby I guess eight hours a day, uh, basically. So and, and for different events, we uh you know we we try to we. we don't go as much as we would like to, but you know we did attend Ragnarok Toberfest uh, back in 2019. I think that was the last event uh, that we that attended. we did, yeah, yeah, before COVID hit. We were gonna go to this uh, uh, event in England, I think. We even sponsored. So if we're not going to an event, we usually would sponsor them anyway. If we can, yeah, yeah about, if uh, we can. Phone fest? Yeah, yes. phone fest. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we did sponsor. I. Don't know what happened, but, but I assume that you know it got shut down because of COVID too. So, so the last uh, two years yeah, they've COVID. done an online um, event. I see. Um, we were actually supposed to be on it this past year, but uh, uh, like, we had scheduled storm of everything going wrong. Yeah. Day. Oh, I see. Tom were Tom and I were on it uh, two years ago. Um, it was it was supposed to be actually I was supposed to be on the an episode or uh, a segment with Ben Anderson from Foamcast. Mm. Uh, and he ran into some issues, so Tom stepped in, um, and then they asked us to to do it again this past year, because mm. um, Big Al uh, and Monkeytron Collective are, are the ones that coordinate that, and so we always have them on the podcast, um, you know, a little while before things really start rolling for Foam Fest to kind of yeah. help them plug it and and you know let them talk about who's going to be on and whatnot. So they have uh, been very kind enough to ask us to participate the last couple of years. Um, I was really bummed that we couldn't participate this year. I see. But I hope, I hope, fingers crossed for them, they get to actually um, do one live next year. Right, well, yeah. Well, if that happens, we'll probably be there. Right, because we were thinking about going there, and we actually, uh, you know, we actually uh, sent the sponsorship money first, and then we were planning to get a booth up running there as well, uh, but then COVID hit. Yeah, but I would, definitely say that it's you know at these events uh it's it, it's super great to meet all the you know the fans the 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 you know to get people's feedbacks and especially watching the games um because uh in in rag what we did was we didn't partake in the games but this time we actually sort of like follow, follow all the groups around and just take notes take pictures to see how people are using their gears their their loadouts and um and i think it it's a you know, it's a it's it feels different. Uh, it's definitely different because it it allows us to see the, uh, the bigger picture, as opposed to us actually partaking the games. And, and well, I think a lot we, has changed since we first yeah, and a lot has changed. Started, yeah, right, right, yeah. So um, it's always you know very cool to 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 go to go to the, those events. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys actually get to play? Do you like ever do just like you know backyard wars? At, you know, yeah, where you guys are. Yes, you play regularly. We we not regularly, but we do play in the office where we use ah. the entire entire building. So on Sundays, on Sundays, nobody's here, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still finding darts like in the atrium of our building. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> like little Counter Strike like thing bloated, going on. <laughs> yeah, I found this like bloated prototype dart that had been I don't know. There's like a like a garden in the center of the building in the atrium, ah. but uh, when we have um. Well, when we have everyone together, so the Taiwan team, like I travel there, but they also travel here. And then we'll have games, we'll, you know, play around. 
a lot of it actually last time a lot of it was just like oh stand at the end of the hallway i'm gonna see if i can shoot you in the back <laughs> see tell me if this hurts you know <laughs> that's a good old all. test yeah <laughs> so what do you guys uh, like to use when you have your uh your office horse well a lot of uh the auto strife yeah is i think auto favorite was... yeah if we're using long darts that and then um it was also part of the experiment last time when we were looking into like automatic uh blasters mm. and see how they would affect the games and, and and such yeah yeah and what kind of impact they would bring yeah but the um the hammer shots are a big favorite oh yeah just I, any I, one hand uh operation is really nice yeah i think we can all agree with that i you know i have yeah. I have a hammer shot that I have carried with me at every single event I have ever gone mm-hmm. to since getting into the hobby, and it's my OTAC hammer shot. Nice. Like it's got awesome. It's got all three zip ties from the three end wars I've been to. Um, it's it's just my go to. Like it, it's it's always been in every loadout. Yeah. You know, like I was thinking about dropping it for my loadout at one point, and then I got to a final stand at an HVZ where I was completely out of ammo. I was scavenging off the ground, and I love the OTEC kit because you can do half links or full links out of it, and it kept me in the game for probably a good 15, 20 minutes after I probably man, loaded that is, Wow, that is awesome yeah. to hear. Yeah. And oh man. Yeah. The OTEC and in this hobby is amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks. That's yeah. That's some well, good good review right there. Right. And then we're nineteen. Uh, I was one of the last eleven people alive, and my my old tech hammer shot. That was the only thing I was running. And for the last two missions, I didn't even have ammo in it. People were just afraid enough of it. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah. See, I think one hand operation is such a in HVZ is such a huge advantage, huge advantage because yeah. of objectives, and you're most of the time you're you're moving less than you're shooting. You're like moving and coordinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Or the ability but... to pull it and use it as a second blaster while you're using your flywheel mm. or whatever in your in your primary exactly. hand. Yeah. It's uh it's amazing. I saw this kind of well it's, it's I say this is on topic, but when I was in Singapore last time playing with the guys up there who are it's a really great community and they're super hardcore. But uh <laughs> Saw this one guy. They they run long shots that are like 280 FPS and up. They're just really they're monsters. I've heard but, um, like that over there. They uh, this one dude fired his long shot, dropped it because it was on a sling. It just fell in front of him. He drew his hammer shot and reached around a corner and tagged the guy. And it was just like, wow, <laughs> this is why the sidearm isn't dead. You need <laughs> something, especially if you're using something that takes a lot of strength to prime. As your primary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, man, I bet we could revisit the hammer shot with the SLS printer. Yeah. I would love mm. to see some new stuff for the hammer shot. That would be cool. So, we're we're really just uh, beginning to explore the possibilities with this new machine. Yeah. So, we could... Yeah, that'd be something to do. And we are looking into getting <clears throat> CNCs, so... Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to figure out how to use it, too. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like when we first got into 3D printing. I didn't know anything about 3D printers, but we just were like, ring it up. We'll figure out when it gets here. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how it goes. That kind of, yeah. So... That's like, like, our, our mentality of doing things pretty much is, you know, let's get it first and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Wish Maybe that, that's kind of like just a hobby. You guys a picture you know, of it's been a very expen- experimental hobby Ooh, to me. Nice. Yeah. So I just I posted in your general chat. That's my active use wall. And oh, that you, is sick. You can yeah. see right there, center between my super spamp and my FDL is hanging the uh, hammer shot right now. Dang, that is a respectable loadout right there. He's got a very good aesthetic. Like everything's printed in the same like yeah. filament. It's nice. Yeah. See, we could we need to do an orange SR two hundred. But yeah, the hammer shot would be very cool to revisit, especially uh, since you it. can get them again because Amazon yeah selling they were... three different versions mm-hmm. of it now. Yeah. Wonder if we could. Nobody a makes board. a half dart kit for the hammer shot, do they? Well, I mean, the um, OTEC I mean, kit the does OTEC fire them, but I. Well, yeah. It's difficult to do rear loading on that blaster. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, it would be possible. I'm gonna let me grab one. <laughs> yeah, even just a short, like a, yeah, even just a short cylinder, you know. Yeah, I mean, with as as prominent I'm, I'm as good. the half darts are becoming, especially now yeah. that Dart Zone is putting them on store shelves, and you can just oh, walk yeah. into a store and pick them up. Yeah, the Dart Zone darts is the darts that we uh, use for all the testing because uh, it, it it is the widely available darts. Um, yeah, that that was a tricky one when we come to do uh just any sort of testing we need something that is widely available and widely really consistent yeah. quality control so for the longest time we were using cut down stock darts because they're all the same for the most part anyone can pick them up and replicate the results so now that dart zone has their darts on shelves that's makes our lives a lot easier in but the to, testing department yeah to be fair no one's using dart uh, stock darts and there's a huge uh a deviation in, in terms of uh, the FPS that produce versus like workers, um, because oh, yeah. workers the, the weight, consistent. the dart weight is is uh, uh, much lighter for stock darts versus the worker. So every what was it? Every point one grams yeah, make a huge gram. difference. Yeah, in terms of FPS. So yep. we stopped doing that. We went to worker for a while, but their heads keep getting blown off. Yeah. <laughs> At least for second generation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the way... Oh, that's another interesting sort of tech standpoint. If you look at, like, uh, I guess, Caliber and Silent Claws and the... Um, dang it, what's that other blaster? The Bullpup one. Have you guys seen the Lynx? The Lynx. Yeah, the Lynx. Yeah. The, the pressure curve on those blasters is different, and they tend to blast heads off of worker darts much less frequently. Where when you when we were building really fast long shots, we sort of took that same philosophy into the first version of the SR200, which is why it had that smaller cylinder. It was much harder to prime. Um, and we had the basically extremely fast, borderline unstable spring that would just pressurize the system as quickly as possible. And just like with the long shots, it would blow heads off um, worker darts. So now with the larger cylinder, it reduced the uh, the pressure curve. So it's a lot easier um it's pretty it's more consistent but we're having trouble with the seal but uh it's just it's a much more friendly user experience i would say i remember tom mentioning that uh when he got his uh his uh second one that he was having a much easier time priming yeah. it yep and that's uh sort of the outdated idea that i was mentioning in e- emails was that um a lot of our design philosophy and and what we have known uh as far as like 
what's okay what's what's uh what's acceptable in terms in terms of like prime comfort it's a it's a because you know we come from i think uh prior to 2019 or prior to the shutdown we came from uh designing 300 fps long long shot it hasn't gotten released yet it was part of the project orange but like we were priming like 18 kilogram springs so it's uh our our idea of comfort is, has been completely skewed <laughs> Like what comfort? Yeah, yeah. Well, like what comfort exactly? So, like when we we're designing SR two hundred, we thought it was okay. Yeah. Until it got in the hands of the consumer, and they they were telling us, it's like, this is so oh, it's difficult way to easier than a long shot." Uh, yeah, and that, that was our right. That was what we thought, but uh, then we came to realize, oh, that was not okay, and and so we focused. <laughs> So we focus a lot on that in, during the redesign and trying to make sure that we sort of uh, got into acceptable range, uh, priming comfort with a lot of people. So yeah, yeah, we were seriously. I had like um, you know, the bipod on the long shots. You can just take them off. You can yeah. run a rope through there and use it as a stirrup to prime the long shot like a crossbow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because it got to the point where you know we were dialing in the o-rings for uh cnc prototype plunger heads we have i mean it's all like logged and written, written down probably 2500 rounds yeah, through that thing yeah. with like between 8 and 20 kilogram springs and then for each plunger head we had like six versions that all mm -hmm. had to get tested. It was like, oh my god, you know, because we we started doing it by the like 0 0.01 millimeter increments to find the long shot. But uh, so we have a really cool long shot, but uh, it's sadly we couldn't transfer that seal directly to the SR200. But where is where is it? We were just playing with it the other day, and like this thing, you can put your thumb over the barrel and fire it and hold it for like 30 seconds yeah. i want to say it'll hold the seal like indefinitely <laughs> it's crazy wow now see. this is a kit that you were designing that was, for sale right yes I, yeah. and uh <laughs> it's uh it was released on uh, project orange and um we it's a launch shot fusion kit um and uh we will probably release it <laughs> after the sr200 <laughs> i hope so I, i'm yeah. hoping we can sls it Yes. Uh, actually, yeah. I have the bat kit in the SLS machine right now. I just didn't have enough time today to clean it out. Right. So, so I, we, I need to see if it will hold the same performance, and then it would just basically be ready to go. Yeah. But yeah. We were cranking out worker darts at like 289 feet per second, and then uh, the prototype, those orange prototype darts with the hard tips. Yeah. At and 300. It and then stock darts, we hit 340. Yeah, oh and it does come in, <laughs> but it does come in three configurations. So we do have eight kilogram spring that can hit 200, and then the 14 kilogram that hit 250, yeah. and then the 18.5 kilogram, if you really want to go crazy, that hits about 300. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, it was also like a 17 and a half inch barrel though. So. Yeah. I know you guys send a seven kilogram with the SR200. What's the other one? That one's 12. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's just a so with springs it's a little weird um everyone sells them this was a actually a huge problem when we first started is uh we didn't have a way to accurately measure spring power and we started doing it by the compression weight which apparently is not the best way to do it so our early early springs like way back in the day with the recon kits yeah we were measuring them based on the compression it took to compress them to the point where the coils were touching each other, which is the absolute mass compression. Um, 
what so now when we have let's say we have our eight kilogram long shot spring compared to the 12 kilogram sr200 spring the eight kilogram spring has the same performance basically uh its spring constant is more so because it's much larger diameter we can have a a faster uncoiling of the spring without destroying the spring um some of so if you took a, a spring the diameter of a retaliator spring and made it just as fast it would um it would take a set after a couple shots so your first like two shots would be insanely strong and then it would just get weaker and weaker and weaker until it stopped until it stabilized yeah that's because the, the spring is too long too narrow so the spring is actually collapsing and once you start collapsing it'll get to the point where it holds that that that's uh spring constant so it um it's actually going to be weaker than when it first started yep. yeah interesting so a properly designed spring you could put it in a blaster you could prime that blaster and leave it primed for years and when you started using it again there would be no degradation in that spring yeah a properly designed spring so it's the action of the spring compressing and uncompressing that slowly yeah, also, wears them out over time yeah also the material of the wire so what we use is music wire so it's pretty much good for a very long time well it's the highest it's, grade it's the highest steel, grade but... so it is overkill so, i do admit that but uh, all right so I, I have a minor in music so when you say music wire, you're talking like piano wire no, it's just the industry term. It's yeah, a industry. it's a high carbon steel yeah. wire okay. that is a spring steel. Yeah. As opposed to like a stainless steel or yeah. something like that. In my head I'm imagining like you know, opening up a baby grand piano and pulling the, the <laughs> yeah, strings right? out of it and coiling them. I was like, how would that Maybe work? Maybe at some point it would be similar to like a piano string or something, but it's it's not because it's just a monofilament wire. It doesn't have like a, a smaller wrapping around it like a guitar right. string or a piano gotcha. string. Yeah, gotcha. But I don't actually. I don't know if if I mean, we actually Jim and I both played in orchestra together. <laughs> so yeah. I. But now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure those strings don't contain carbon steel at all because it would yeah stay. do you know why they even call it music wire for the I, I don't know for the carbon yeah it's just what they call it <laughs> and it's like music wire and then it has a code designation which is yeah. like ASTM oh right yeah series or something I yeah. can't remember off the top of my head actually but I am at my computer so I could look it up but <laughs> if you look at dark zone guns uh, or blasters um, if you there's a new new trend where they're using super skinny uh, springs, but very thick in wire, wire thickness, um, and it's super long, and that is because you can actually get a higher spring constant by using little effort to prime. But you you need a lot of sort of real estate in the blaster to house that long of a spring. That's kind of the, the trend right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because if you look at the Nexus or the even the the uh, the Jet Sita, they have very yes. narrow, very long yes. springs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you and the the wire thickness has to be thick because if you don't, then the spring will collapse, like what we talked. And about. it will be a, yeah. it will just be a weak spring too if they yeah. don't. Yeah. So yeah, with those narrow long springs, real thick wires with yeah. uh, larger diameter springs, thinner wires. Yeah. But you can have a the same a faster spring constant in a shorter distance. Yes. Or shorter length of spring. So there are but like the, many uh, ways to the design spring. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to look up the music wire, it's just called music wire but it's a s t i m a 228 a s t i m a 228 a 
Yeah, we've done some of our uh, very, very small springs in that particular material. I can't, I don't have the normal size springs. They might be the same, actually. But, yeah. Very interesting. So those can be, you can actually buy music wire from, like, Ace Hardware. It's just the thin wires, and you can twist your own springs. They won't be super high performance, but, uh, you know, if you were doing making springs for something else for like a hinge or something like yeah, yeah. DIY stuff would be interesting to play with mm -hmm. yeah that's what um wind them over uses um for a lot of his like spring thunder kits and stuff oh okay yeah he makes his own springs from like music wire okay yeah you can clamp them then wind it and then it has to go into the oven at a certain temperature and it will temper it to that shape yeah. Ah. so yeah you can make your own springs at home at home kids <laughs> It's just uh, tricky, but you'll learn a lot. Yeah. Looks like, uh... oh, wait, no. I'm, I'm looking at something. I think the oven temperature is pretty low. I think you can 3D print spring jigs. Memory serves. Interesting. Wheels are turning. <laughs> not not that I would ever be able to bring anything to fruition. <laughs> right, right. It, it's oh, still... you know, you could, <clears throat> yeah. you oh, could carve it. a spring shape into, like, a wooden dowel with a pocket knife and then wind a spring around it. If you had to, like, make a Nerf gun in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> scenario imagine having an hpz game like that where you have where to like truly scavenging blasters of, yeah like, components jeez you get like a you get you get a swiss army knife and like a pile of scraps <laughs> oh man yeah you get a swiss army knife um duct tape and then just piles yeah. of plunger tubes and springs and stuff that would be great and then the zombies like spawn in after a given amount of time and just see what happens new game type like junkyard wards of hvz <laughs> yeah. yeah that would actually be super fun yeah but you need a heck of a waiver i think yeah probably <laughs> yeah fair point that's why we don't ben allow to be like you want to do what now <laughs> no yeah oh yeah so mentioned hpa that's kind of it's coming yeah um, a ways off but so, no, i'm not no, i'm not saying through us i'm just saying like no 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 uh, not the, us, hobby, not the hobby <laughs> so we did look right. cybertech hba coming <laughs> yeah coming soon now so we did a you know it's kind of like us like the thing that i men mentioned earlier where we would sit around and sort of like look into the future kind of thing and we did do that with hpa and ag and, and stuff like that and so i mean we really think that there are two um basically the only two um power platform that people can use uh to get that sort of semi-auto for auto experience i mean flywheel yes uh but beyond flywheel you really just left with two i can't talk about that okay. yet no i'm sorry i can't talk about it. no that's fine <laughs> <laughs> no he's picking up something that we're secretly working on right now i can't talk oh. about that but anyway <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> but um yeah so hpa i mean the the discussion was that hpa you'll have you know, trouble of uh, bringing that to the games. I, I've talked with a lot of uh, pretty much the event hosts, and and then um, they all feel like it's a little bit too early for that. Um, they they want to keep the game safe, and I think a lot of people are running the games in, at school as well. And um, so it is cool. I mean, we liked it, um, but it's not something that I think the community as a whole is ready for yet. Yeah. Um, it's not something we allow at our games. I, you know, yeah. if, if like the, um, Oh, the mill sig. Um, yeah. If, if those became a lot more prominent and there were more than just the one 
company manufacturing them and they yeah. were more price point available, then it's something we might look at. Yeah. Um, but when most people trying to do HPA would be like cobbling something together out of pop bottles and, and uh, scuba tanks, uh, that's, that's that, that makes yeah. me nervous. Yeah. So it's, right. ju- yeah. it's just a flat out ban for these for the time being. So, yeah, yeah I, and part of what makes this hobby so great is its accessibility. Yeah. So even when it becomes safe, I mean, there are safe blasters out there. It can They're running at very low pressures compared to other things but you still need to manage like tank filling that kind of yeah. stuff so you're going to end up with sort of a an older crowd just sort of dominating everybody because they can afford the logistics to run HPA yeah yeah so you know even when i was playing in singapore like those guys play seamlessly with like little kids and stuff they're at their games and everyone is super cool and you know everyone takes care of everybody but that's the sort of community that i like to see and I don't like see- seeing people sort of either priced out or just they can't compete with that level of sophistication. Yeah. Because um, really any any game around here, like I think South Texas Nerf Wars might still be having events near us. But, uh, you know, anyone can roll up with something off the shelf and still have a good time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of a rant. No, no. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> um... And with... AG, I think um, the problem that we see, especially while developing CyberTech, was that uh, it it has a size constraint. So if you want it to shoot above 150 FPS, it's going to be like the size of a Stampede uh, because uh, all the gears, um, all the, you know, the gearbox and the, yeah, p- the plunger, real it'll size up. Yeah, it, it all needs to size up for anything higher than 150. And um, ah. so, you know... Some people might be okay with that, and then uh, you know, so I personally we try to combine aesthetics and ergonomics along with the function. So it is something that we're currently struggling struggling with uh, for AG system above 150. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's doable, but you're gonna be like, I am heavy weapons guy, like yeah, walking around with much. this thing that's big. And then also the there's the battery issue where if you're going to be running these things, you need to know how to safely charge lipos. You need to know how to just make sure everything is safe and you're not burning your house down. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know Adam just had to duck out, unfortunately. Why don't we wrap things up? We'll let you guys get back to it. Um, We we usually wrap up by uh, doing shout-outs, so why don't we let you guys, if if there's anybody uh, that you'd like to shout-out, feel free. Uh... I guess I'll shout out someone who was very helpful with uh, um, SR200 issues. So shout out to Thon. He has been a really critical eye, but a very fair judge of the blaster. So tough, but fair. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and Michelle too. Uh, definitely. Uh, she gave me, at least me, a lot of feedbacks, in which we incorporated uh, most of them into our new revisions and also jangular uh chris oh yeah yeah forget jang oh man yeah he uh need to really appreciate he stuck with us through this hard time (laughs) and still made videos for us (laughs) because we're extremely shorthanded right now and so he's being a great help yeah no that's great tom you gotta gotta shout out additional help more than happy to more than happy to help you guys out (laughs) tom what's your shout out uh who do I want to shout out? Tell you what, you think about it for a second. Um, I shout out GSP. 
Because he's a pretty nice dude. One of our uh, one of our listeners. Pretty nice. No. <laughs> pretty nice dude. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, and I think my shout out is going to go to Detroit Dartworks. Um, as uh, you know, had uh, three mentions on uh, this week in Nerf at this point. Um, and I know I'm forgetting something, but now he's uh, he's getting recognition from uh, from Walcom and um, oh. from uh, oh. Dr. Flux. And also now um, uh, Bradley Phillips uh, mentioned him in one of his videos for the work he's done with the uh, the worker Cheetah 2 and his uh, his single prime kit. Wow. So, I'm uh, so excited to try that kit out. Yeah. Um, so it, it's great to see. Um, a manufacturer, a designer in our our area of the our neck of the woods, uh, getting mm. such uh, hobby uh, recognition. Uh, so I'm I'm proud for him. I'm glad for him. So shout out to you, Alex. So, well, we very much appreciate you guys being on with us. It was great to hear uh, you know what's kind of going on over there in your your uh, secret lab yeah. and and so, uh, it's not all chaos <laughs> it's mostly chaos <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see uh what's going on with the sr 200 uh, you know i got to play around with with tom's first one when he got it uh a little bit and i'm interested to see uh yep. you know, and we are preparing we're, we're in that preparation stage of uh getting ready to ship the final version now as well so yeah. aesthetically how is it still pretty similar oh, oh yeah, same, yeah. Outside. It, same okay. as outside oh right. let's uh I guess we could mention talk about the aesthetics real quick. Sure, because um, Kevin did prep me for this, and I because I did because yeah. uh, he's sleeping right now. There's he's sleeping right now. No, right. <laughs> he's the means. industrial designer that that designed. So basically, I think I mentioned a little bit like before we uh, uh, design any products, we sort of give it a backstory. Uh, you know, design world, the character that's using it. Um, that's and, his process, yeah. Right. So yeah, that's his process, and I'm just gonna what? share some of these pictures. This is what we did for Cybertech. Um, oh, I love the little robots. Yeah. So in the case of Cy- in the case of Cybertech, it was this world that's uh, uh, filled with a bunch of uh, old tech junk. That's the the rural place of essentially be- became a big dumpster. People are forced to live in a city where heavy technology dependent, and uh, they play these games that uh, uh, involves blasters. <laughs> And it's kind of like a sport. So the design language got translated over to that, where it's futuristic, sporty looking. Whereas the SR200, uh, what we did was that, what would an orange Mawworks armory look like? That that was the, sort of like the the um, design theme around SR200 was that what if we had an armory, what would our armory look like? So we do have a wall of like Nerf blaster. We love Nerf. I think uh, even though their blaster have been recently have been hard to work with, we still love Nerf. So if you look at the SR200, it is uh, inspired by the uh, 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 Raider and Rampage. Uh, where, but whereas Raider Rampage has that circular sort of geometry, uh, he did a sort of like a polygon geometry for the uh, SR200. Sort of to bring out that ag- aggressiveness, and if you look at, if you look at it from the front, it's not a perfect square. It's actually an octagon, and then that octagon actually gets translated over to the side of the barrel shroud, where it's like five octagons per side. And if you look into the ribbings, it's actually half of an octagon looking down. So there's a lot of little designs, you know, gimmicks there where he embedded these uh, sort of um, 
little uh, design language and uh, um, just to bring out that futuristic aggression. Um, yeah. Because yeah. that's so, how he envisioned an orange armory would look like. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, looks totally awesome. Hard to 3D print. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of how this one's going. But yeah, it's it's tricky when he he's got a whole process. We can't just like tell him what we want stuff to right. look like. It's really everything it comes he, from a place that's yeah. like fully built out. Everything that he does has to have a meaning. Has to has a story behind it. Yeah. So everything that it can't be just I'm just gonna pick something cool. No. Yeah, so he really wanted to sort of embody what we have been doing, which is Nerf Blaster, Mahdi Nerf Blaster, and sort of give it its a uh, basically you're holding an updated version or his visions of an updated version of Rampage or Slash Raider, and then he's just uh, sort of like a nod to Nerf and and because this is that's what we do, you know, that's how we got started, wow. and then that's sort of our spin and our our take on that classic blaster, yeah. And then future blasters will share design language. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. always a sucker for that. You know, as as you saw in my uh, my blaster wall, I I like to tie everything you use in the same color scheme. So right. Yeah. And I think right now he's working on different color palettes for yes. these blasters. Yeah. And then we'll uh, be in the process of select. I guess I don't know how we're gonna go about it, but then we'll be selecting the next color palette for right. the next run. And- right be pretty pretty awesome nice very cool yep but the uh the tips will always be safety orange so don't <laughs> right. worry about that we're not we're not gonna like mess you know mess with that territory no, that's right cool well again we really appreciate you guys being on it was uh an honor getting to to chat with you guys and hang out with you guys um and uh, yeah we... and if you uh, have any other questions about stuff we're working on we're always you know open to you know chat about stuff yeah absolutely i we i'm sure we'd love to have you on once uh you know cybertech uh finally kicks off again and uh, oh man uh, yep you know, yeah i'm just it. itching to get back on that it feels so bad leaving something in that you know we've worked I so know. hard on it there, just having to drop it <laughs> just like it's something that i've wanted for so long because i love the stampede but it's not most viable yeah right yeah, but yeah. Just, these are viable and they're basically tiny stampedes yeah 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 we just yeah, and they re- hit that um sort of intermediate velocity where it's still safe for HVZ, and it's a sort of handy package. Yeah, and they, their design on them is amazing. So, well, Kevin, we'll relay that to Kevin. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, we'll okay. wrap this one up, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, hope you enjoyed listening to uh, to Jim and Jin talk about. Uh, everything that's going on uh, behind the scenes at Orange Modworks. Uh, um, So for Adam and Tom, this is Tim, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I don't remember if I put this in my feedback, but I'm just like, look, I love the blaster, but it'd be amazing if it was like hot pink. It <laughs> would also okay, and a lot of the surface finish issues come from the white filament. White filament, because apparently, right. yeah. unbeknownst to us, white was is like the hardest thing to print.